Colossians 3, verses 5 to 17. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all, these, all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, with God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Let's pray uh, briefly together as we come to this passage. Lord Jesus, we ask uh, that you would cause your word to dwell in us richly this evening. We pray that it would uh, come with uh, the power of your Holy Spirit teaching us Uh, admonishing us with all wisdom, we pray um, that you would transform us by it. Amen. If you'd like to keep that passage open um, in Colossians, and just to to give a kind of quick overview of what what I think has been going on up until this point uh, and where we're going this evening, what what Paul has been doing for the Colossians, and and therefore what he's trying to do for, for us, is to help them to think about themselves theologically. Now, I know it's dangerous to say that beginning of a sermon, and because I might have just, you know, lost you all, but it could sound horribly dry and academic and, and pointless. You know, why, why do we need to understand ourselves theologically? Can't we just get on with life? But you see, the problem that these Colossians had um, was that they wanted to live the Christian life, but because of the false teaching that they were receiving from some people, they, they weren't able to do so. Look uh, just at the top of the page at verse 23 of chapter 2. Such regulations, says Paul, that's the false teaching, have an appearance of wisdom, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. 
You see, all, all this false teaching, this theology that they've been given, actually was completely useless in helping them to live transformed Christian lives. That They wanted to live as Christians, but, but they weren't able to because of their bad theology that they'd been given. So what's, what Paul has been doing is giving them good theology. He's been painting a big theological picture of what the gospel has done. Chapter 2, verse 20, you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world. Chapter 3, verse 1, you've been raised with Christ. Chapter 3, verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So we've got a big theological gospel picture that Paul has been putting the Colossians into. And Andrew's sermon last week on chapter 3, 1 to 4 if you weren't here and you didn't hear it, listen to it online because chapters, verses 1 to 4 are fundamental for everything that follows. We really need to grasp 1 to 4. But in the verses that we're dealing with tonight, Paul takes the big picture theology that he's done and he just works out one more layer, one more level of detail that we need to know if we are going to live glorious lives, which is what Jesus Christ intends for us. So we're going to look at that theology and then we'll look at how that works out in our Christian lives. It it runs throughout the passage, but it's possibly uh, most clearly visible in verses 9 and 10. Paul says this, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices... And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. The the thing that we need to grasp uh, is that as Christians, we have two selves. An old self and a new self. Before we knew Christ, before we became Christians, we we just had one self. That is the the state of the non-Christian. They have one self It is enslaved to sin, unwilling and unable to please God. But then uh, we heard the gospel. We heard the good news about Christ. What what happens? Well, we died with Christ. Okay, so now you have a dead self. Then you were raised with him. So now you have uh, a dead, old self, and a new, alive self. Okay, old self, new self. And then one day when Jesus Christ returns... We will appear with him in glory, and we will just have the one self again, the new self, perfected. Okay, so past, one self, old self, future, one self, new self. Right now, old self, new self, together. Okay, are you with me? Why on earth is this important? What difference can it possibly make? Well, Think about this. If, if you only have one self, as Christians, if we only have one self, we were dead in our sins, we're alive with Christ. Great. Okay, that sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds perfectly fine. Well, what happens? You, you're alive with Christ. What happens when you sin? Are you dead again? Are you, are you not quite as alive with Christ as you thought? I, I met a lady once um, who... 
uh, who'd grown up in a Christian home and, and then had kind of drifted away from the church. And she said, and I came back to church and, and I was born again. And then I kind of drifted away uh, and I came back and I was born again again. <laughs> At the point I talked to her, she was drifting away again. So, you know, is that what happens? You know, do we keep kind of getting born again, again, again? If we have oneself, when we sin as Christians, are we under condemnation? Or are we forgiven? How do we deal with, with sin in our Christian life? Is it, well, we're alive, it's not so big a deal. You know, we've been forgiven, doesn't really matter. Or is, is sin a crushing blow to us? And well, I know I've been forgiven and I know I should do better and I know the Christian life is meant to be like this and surely I should be doing better by now and why am I still struggling? If we have oneself... I think that we're always going to be flip-flopping between, between guilt and feeling okay, between condemnation and forgiveness, but because we're not really sure who we are. We, we, we're meant to be alive, but then we sin. And, uh, but what Paul says here helps us with this. We, we have two selves, a dead old self and a new self alive in Christ. Uh, and that enables us to live the Christian life, the dead old self, it's been dealt with decisively. You died with Christ, and it needs to be fully put off. The, the new self, Paul says in verse 10, is being renewed in knowledge. Hey, Mandy said to me, because we don't have many snakes in England, in the States they have more, it's like a snake shedding its skin. The, the new skin is there. The old skin is dead. But the old skin has to be shed. It has to be left behind. That's the theology Paul is putting in place for us. That's the theology we need to have in our heads, that we have two selves. Okay, so let's now look at at what that means for our Christian life. The old dead self, the new living self. And we'll start, as Paul does in verse 5, with the negative Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Paul doesn't just say, try really hard not to sin anymore. He says, kill it. Get rid of it. Put it to death. Why? Verse 6, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. It's a serious thing getting rid of sin, putting it to death. Well, Paul, how do do we do this? He doesn't actually give much of a how-to in these verses, does he? He doesn't say much about how you get rid of sin. What he does instead, as Andrew was talking about last week, he he says, this is who you are. He gives a a who are you. Look at verse 7. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Verse 8, but now you must read yourselves. You see, the implication is, that's not you anymore. You, you used to walk in these things, in your old self. That, that's not you anymore. Again, we, we see it in verse 9. Do not lie to each other. Why? Because you have taken off your old self. 
It's not you anymore. It died with Christ. And you are alive with Christ. And so all that dead stuff, it doesn't belong to you anymore. When Mandy and her brother were younger, they decided to um, throw a dead fly into a spider's web to see what the spider would do, you know, to wrap it up and, and eat it. So they, they got their, their dead fly uh, and they threw it in. And the spider uh, grabbed its web and it shook it. Nothing happened. It shook it again. And nothing happened. And it dashed up to the fly, grabbed it, and threw it out of the web. It didn't want a dead fly. Our old self is dead. Get rid of it. Now, some of us here have probably been struggling with certain things for, for a long time. And, and the idea of putting sin to death just feels impossible. It just, it just feels too strong, it just too ingrained in our lives, too much part of us. And, and maybe we've, we've tried putting it to death and it, and it just keeps coming back. And, and we're just tired out. It's just me, we think. It's just who I am. It's inevitable. I can't help it. It is just who I am. What do you, what do, you do with that? How do you put that to death? Well, two things. Firstly, it's not you. This is you. You died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. That's you. In the film uh, of The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, near the end, they're, they're fighting the big sea monster which is uh, trying to crush their ship. And Edmund uh, goes up on the mast to uh, try and stab it in the head to kill it. And as he's standing there waiting, the white witch appears to him uh, again. And she says, what are you trying to prove? That you're a man? I, I can make you that. I can make you a king. But Edmund is already a king. You see? That, that's not him. What the white witch is saying, what she's trying to do, he, he doesn't need to listen to that. He's already a king. Sin in the Christian life Paul says it's not inevitable, it it happens we do sin, but it is not the ultimate destiny. Glory is the ultimate destiny. So so firstly, it's, it's not you. And secondly, you are not on your own. When God calls us to, to put sin to death, he, he doesn't kind of, you know, Jesus died for you and now you're on your own. He doesn't leave us on our own. He doesn't leave us to do it on our own strength. Look at verse 10. You've put on the new self, which is being renewed. God is working in you, renewing you. You're not on your own in your fight against sin. God is working with you. And his power is made perfect in weakness. So that's the, the negative. Let's, let's turn now to look at the positive. Putting on. Paul uses the, the same word in verses 10 and 12 uh, to describe this. Verse 10, he says, you've put on the new self. Verse 12, therefore, 
uh, as God's chosen people, to clothe yourselves, same word, put on, compassion, kindness, humility, uh, and so on. So just as we put off our old self, because it's not who we are anymore, we put on the new self, because it is who we are. That's clear in verse 12, isn't it? Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that is who you are, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, and so on. When I was at school, I wore a uniform. It were black shoes, socks, trousers, white shirt, blue and yellow striped tie, uh, and a blue jumper with a school badge on. That uniform identified me as a member of that school. Because I belonged to the school, I wore the uniform. As Christians, Paul says, we belong to God's chosen people and we are holy and dearly loved. We already belong. So, Paul says, clothe yourselves appropriately. Clothe yourselves as God's chosen people. And what is, what's the uniform? Well, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. It's, I would say it's not an exhaustive list, but, but those are the things that God provides for us to put on. So how, how do we do this? How do we put these things on? We'll take verse 13 as an example. Paul says, clothe yourselves, with these, clothe yourselves with these things, bear with each other, and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Well, what does it take to, to bear with each other? Uh, maybe someone's let you down badly. Maybe someone's let you down badly more than once. Someone's hurt you, said something unkind. And this is specifically here, we're talking within the church. This is what Paul is, uh, is talking about, this within the church. Bearing with someone who's let you down, well, it requires patience, doesn't it? What if they let you down again? You've got to keep on bearing with them. What if they hurt you again? You keep on bearing with them. It requires patience. We need humility to, to be able to lay down our own interests, our desire to get our own way. We need compassion and kindness. Paul isn't saying put up with each other, you know, in the kind of oh, eyes rolling kind of okay, fine. Bearing with each other requires kindness and compassion. It, it may even require kindly correcting the other person at times. That is, that is what it is to bear with each other. That is how we put on kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. And that, Paul says, is glorious. That is glorious. Now, in a big church like ours, it's easy to avoid this. Has someone in your house group hurt you? Go to a different house group. Don't like the evening service? Go to the morning service. Someone let you down? Find someone else. It's easy. We don't have to bear with each other, you know. We can, we can get away with it. We can just kind of avoid it. But if we do, we avoid growing as Christians. We avoid the chance to become more glorious. Again, how do we forgive each other? Well, Paul says in verse 13, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We, we grow in our ability to forgive by, by looking at Christ, looking at how much he's forgiven us, 
the way in which he's forgiven us. Just to speed through these final verses, we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Whatever we do, we do it in the name of Christ. What Paul is saying is, be fixated on Jesus Christ. That is, that is what it is to be God's chosen people, to clothe ourselves. As we, the more time we spend with Jesus Christ, the more like him we'll become. So to finish, he says, be fixated on Jesus' death, the forgiveness and the peace that flow from that. Be fixated on his resurrection, the new life that we have received through it. And be fixated, Paul says, on his glorious return when we will appear with him in glory. The old things will have passed away and everything is made new. Amen.